It's a hopeful title. I think it's hopeful. It's a bit sad. <laughs> yeah, hopeful and sad at the same time. Bittersweet, really. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your pal Sammy Bananas back with another episode of Talking About Someday. On the subject of Someday, thank you to everybody who's been listening to the album, streaming it, downloading it, talking about it on the internet, telling your friends. It really means a lot. That's kind of what this whole podcast is about, really, is the music on the album. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please do so. This week we have Antony and Cleopatra. London dance music duo who I've known for about six years now when we started working on music together. I connected with them on FaceTime and we and we had a great talk about the usual subjects, life, songwriting, and our song Slow Down from the album. This episode is a little bit longer because there's two of them, but it's a really great listen, so I hope you check it out. Enjoy! Could you both introduce yourself briefly? My name is Anita Blay. I'm one half of Anthony and Cleopatra, as well as a songwriter to other artists. And yeah, I've, I guess, been doing this for longer than I care to mention, because then you might guess my age. Um, She's 22. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I live in London. And do you need more things from me? Alex. I'm Alex from uh, Anthony and Cleopatra. Uh, yeah, similar to Nita, I've been doing songwriting and writing for myself and other people for a few years now and live in London originally from the beach in Australia. What I'm doing still in London, I don't know, <laughs> but I guess I love music Same. enough to stay here as opposed to go back to lying on the beach and being relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Is it nice in London right now? It's, oh, beautiful. it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. It's really nice in New York now too, finally. How many degrees are you, are you doing in a different uh, I don't know how to convert. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a hot day in New York is like 400 or something. It's like, it's wow, funny how how, that, what is that? <laughs> it's funny how even though you guys are like from opposite ends of the world, you both still use the metric system. Well, British yeah. Empire in it. <laughs> yeah, you're from different corners of the Queen's Empire. Whereas yeah. America, they just rejected everything English. That's why you've got all these like different ways of driving mm. on the road and, you know. <laughs> you guys even don't even talk I, English. Apparently you talk American. I, I, think that, <laughs> I think that one of the fundamental aspects of America is defining ourselves in opposition to yeah. the British. Correct. I mean, isn't that sure. where it all began? Yeah. That would really preclude us from ever using the metric system or driving on the other side of the road, just on the strength of being like, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but when was the chat when someone was like, Nah, we should drive on the right-hand side. I've got this. And everyone's like, yeah, but left feels a bit more like, nah, 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 nah. On the right, I'm feeling it. Okay, you win. Like, <laughs> So, do either you remember uh, the first song that you wrote? Not together, individually. Like, going back to your infancy. I actually do. Yeah? <laughs> I wrote it on a really crap keyboard that my dad bought me for Christmas or something. And it just had, like, these presets. And I can't remember what the or the loop was but it was obviously something terrible and it was called Every Step You Take it was a bit serious for like, I was like eight or something but and I made my brother like be my hype man slash like just hold on to the keys while I like hold the one button down because we were kind of trying to mimic and I don't think they ever made it to America but there was a band called Two Unlimited and they were like I think they were Dutch or something they had a song Hell called yeah. No No 
No, 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 there's no limit. Yeah. Do you remember? Did that make it to the States? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like a boy, girl and a guy. Hey, it's full circle. Girl and a guy. And uh, yeah, I just thought they were so cool and I kind of wanted to. So I thought me and my brother could kind of be the next two Unlimited, like aged eight and five. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I remember the song and it was like, how did it go? <laughs> so bad. Every step you take. Every move I make, it's reaching to the sky. It's getting kinda high. Every memory deep inside of me is reaching to the sky. It's getting kinda high. Wow, oh, such a weird kid. What's you gotta bring that back. I mean Sorry? the beginning is a the beginning is a little bit derivative, but then it gets uh you know. Yeah, then you yeah, lots of surprises and twists and turns. But yeah, so that was I remember that, that being my first ever song that I wrote. Nice. Alex, you have anything? So yeah, uh, Wonderland. So we won this Wonderland um, competition. We got to go to a professional studio and record a song. And at the time, I think Californication, Chili Peppers, you know, funk, rock, metal. Yeah, and the song was called Sex Beast <laughs> because it was inspired by Anthony Kiedis's kind of like sexiness. And this girl was really hot. And so I wrote like a song that had like a rap verse and then... A chorus. Yeah, Can was, you please give us a line? I need to hear this immediately. What's crazy about this is you're not the, the first person to talk about both Chili Peppers and rapping like in their in their musical foundation of the, something that they did when they were young. So yeah. don't feel that bad. No. Like, that's a common touchstone for like almost everybody. It's a, it's a tape because we made tape. We were called boot liquor and liquor was spelt <laughs> with like alcohol liquor. And I, yeah, I don't oh, know. This is amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's tapes and stuff. And then we did another song called Don't Give Me That, which was pretty good. But um, yeah, so nice. hopefully no one has any tape decks, so no one can mm. ever hear it. <laughs> but do you ever, Sammy, do you ever think about hard drives and like, you know, I've got a box of hard drives. There must be some like really crap shit on that that probably I will never listen to. And then like they'll be like, oh, that's granddad's like, but like musical things and then they'll listen to it and they'll go, this is really crap. But is there a part of you that thinks maybe you should just listen back to see if there's anything actually gold? Yeah. I actually was just digging in a hard drive the other week. And the main thing that I worry about when I do that is just like falling into an even larger nostalgia hole because on that hard drive, it's not just the songs, but like I found like a really shitty video recording, one of my old bands playing. It was an hour and a half. It was like 14 video clips capturing the full performance from 2006 or something like that. And I just like started watching them and I, and you know, like went down a really deep hole. Cause then you're like, <laughs> if only I knew what I knew back then, but then back then it was kind of fun cause we didn't know shit. And then yeah. Colby could and have been so much better, but we were kind of crap anyway. There's a good amount of stuff from the early days of me as a producer that I really, really still like. Hmm. I mean, it's just there, you know, like, it, but then I'm, I'm thankful that I have like a cassette tape of myself singing in like a school assembly when I was six also. Those are the nice ones. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how, that's how musical beginnings. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, so you, you kind of both briefly mentioned that you're individually songwriters in addition to being the two halves of Antony and Cleopatra. Do you want to elaborate at all on the individual projects or, or other songs that you've worked on that that you like or people might know or yeah sure I'll, I'll go um 
Yeah, I think I stumbled into writing dance, like top lines and all that, because I was in a band, like an indie pop band, and then <clears throat> I sort of fell out of love with the guitar and started writing with lots of Australian dance people that no one knew about. And then obviously the world catches up and, you know, people like uh, Hayden James and lots of people on Future Classic, which led to a song with DJ Snake and that world. So I kind of done a lot of that world, I guess, because lots of producers are fantastic with sounds and beats, but didn't know much about like lyrics or melody. And, I, you know, if you think about careers, it's fun to keep reincarnating and learning new things. And I'm glad that I went through that process of you know, discovering and falling in love with dance music because I wouldn't be here now. I'd still be kind of holding a t guitar and trying to be a, you know, troubadour. So, yeah, that's my kind of little five years journey leading up to now, I guess. And Anita? Uh, yeah, so I also I started off as a solo act in the UK while I was making like, started off like I was just making bedroom demos. So it was like glitchy pop things, I guess. And so like I've never, I'm not trained in any instruments, I can't really play anything. So at the end of that run, like after I put the album out, I just wanted to get better at writing. And I've always been a bit of a pop tart, like I love pop music. So I just threw myself into the, what they call the top lining game. You know, writing songs for other people, melody and lyrics, that's top lining. And just saw it as like a crash course in like just wanting to get better at it. So that's kind of fast forward like five years. Uh, along the way, I've had a few cuts with a few like, big pop artists and stuff and feel like a, all that work was actually really worth it. And the best way to do it is just to throw myself in and just do it. And I feel a lot more confident and accomplished as a, a, a pop writer now. Yeah, so that's that's also my journey. And that's actually how you guys met and ended yeah. up starting Anthony yeah. Cleopatra, right? It's from yep. that world. Yeah, well, I was working on my album um, as Cock and Ball Kid. That was the name of my um my solo project and a, f a mutual friend of ours called Teeks, Mark Tiku. Um, he's a UK producer, put us in touch to write together um, for my record. And it just ended up being a bit of a weird song that didn't really fit on my album or anyone else's actually. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just like, oh, this is weird. Should we just, should we just start a thing? And so we started a thing <laughs> called Anthony and Cleopatra. What was the name of your dog again? So can I... What's that? Is that your dog in the background? Oh, yeah, yeah, you hear? Chipwitch. Chip Chipwitch, that's oh, Chipwitch. Miss Chipwitch. Oh, Chipwitch. Oh, Chipwitch. Hey. Chipwitch is having a little bit of problems um, with incontinence right now, oh. but, uh, you know, she's getting older. Yeah, I mean, Chipwitch happens. was, you know, she was she was a little bit old, you know, when, when we were uh, doing our thing, but it's five years ago, so that's when yeah. I met you guys, over five years ago. Six. Because oh, God. probably <laughs> shortly after you guys writing those songs, we all, three of us kind of got brought together because I got brought in to, I guess, help finish them or produce them or something. I don't even, I barely even remember at this point. Yeah, well, because we didn't, I think we were sort of, we, we liked dance music and we were writing dance music, but we didn't come from DJ backgrounds. Mm. So, you know, the usual route is like you DJ and you DJ a type of music and then eventually like, fuck, I should write songs. And then you write songs in that thing. Whereas we're like, we're like songwriters who like dance music. So I think <clears throat> our manager at the time, Martin, who was really, you know, amazing at dance music and really well-versed no, in that it, yeah. world. Yeah, knew you or knew your work. Yeah. I mean, I, so Martin hit me up and he he sent me that um, God's Going Away for the Weekend. Uh, and that's yes. Like, that was oh, it. hey, um, we're trying to look for someone to mix this song. Yeah. Um, 
and these artists are working on a record together. Do you want to do a mix submission? And I said, sure, yeah, of course. Yeah. And so I did that, and I think that you guys really liked the mix, but then maybe I did some things that sort of opened up mm. the possibilities of what could happen. Yeah. I don't remember what happened. At some point, the brief of what we were going to do expanded dramatically and went from, hey, mix this song or even mix this record to let's try to reimagine some of these demos using, I guess, like you were saying, the experience of someone from the dance music world Yeah. Um, with DJ Chops. And I remember you guys <laughs> came over to New York for a couple weeks. One memory I really have from that is that the Brooklyn Electronic Music Festival was happening. During then, we went out oh, to some yeah. club nights, yeah. and I just remember seeing you guys, like, it was the the visual representation of someone's mind being blown. <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, because I don't think we ever thought about BPMs or, like, yeah. groove structures and how DJs just pick a kind of groove and just do it religiously, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like if you pick, I remember there was a moon baton or something, and I was like, wow, this guy's just playing the same thing, like, ten times in a row, but it's kind of amazing. Mm. You know, whereas we came from the song background where we're like, well, no one wants to hear like knocking on heaven's door like eight times in a row. Do you know what I mean? But with yeah. dance music, it's a different thing. It's more like physical and mm. oral, more yeah. like human as opposed to like thinking or whatever. That's mm. a good way of putting it. It's, it's almost more, I always describe it as like more ancient, you know, it's more kind of like trapped deep within ourselves than some of the more cerebral thinking type yeah. parts of theory-based songwriting or even just music with words. Yeah. Well, I almost feel like there's a lot of, you know, folk music, which is sort of the songwriting lyric thing. A lot of it's from like Western culture that maybe didn't have dancing as mm. like a, dancing was sort Form of like, an, it yeah. was like an organized thing and it wasn't like let it out. And then maybe the dance thing is more of an African world and that's where we're at. Like, you know, the yeah. two worlds, I don't know. Probably a bit historically incorrect, but it all goes back to Africa eventually. So of course, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. But I feel like in the <laughs> like in the fourteen or fifteen hundreds, the Western world sort of with publishing and church music, and they kind yeah, of church. We got to like, blame blame religion for like tightening everybody up and and cloistering all of their emotions into these. Yeah, it became much more organized or whatever and a mm. bit more like the theory. So people would still listen to music, but they'd be like, oh, that's great because it does cycle of fifths chord progression. Whereas like with dance music, no one gives it, like no one cares. Mm. It's a bit more like free. Anyway, that's coming out from our <laughs> next book. <Yeah. laughs> Anthony and Cleopatra's <laughs> theories of music. Yeah. I mean, it actually really connects back to the kind of music you're making now, though. I think the thinking about your whole journey from where the moment where I was involved to the kind of stuff that you're making now, all of what you just said is very audible in the music. Like that thought process, I can hear the, not maturation, but evolution of the way that you're thinking about at least the Antony and Cleopatra music and what you want it to do and what how you want it to move people and make people feel. Yeah, we had a realization maybe like a year or two ago where everything we're doing was so passionate and like serious serious and like I think the world had just changed you know and we were just started to make things quicker and not like have fun with it mm. not like fun as in let's give it a go but just not so like sad yeah we were a bit sadder in those days it's, which is a bit like love is a lonely dancer uh, right yeah <laughs> really like emo tiles 
And you know, um, like that thing, it could have worked as well. But music five years ago was people like Florence were a bit more passionate and all that. Whereas now, the last couple of years, subtlety's in. And so I think we just grew up or something or just yeah. decided to let the music and the beat of the music work more than us having like... A laboured, like heart-wrenching thing that we felt like we had to say. Yeah. And also that's probably our backgrounds as songwriters or especially me with my past project was very like introspective and like about my growing up and emotions and feelings and stuff and trying to so naturally there was just the tra- I just transferred that into when we start, I started exploring dance music just like oh I'll just do that surely but I, I think I had, a lot of that was just learning also the rules of dance and most of the time people are hearing this on dance floors and maybe they're a bit pissed or they're a bit high or they're a bit so just not throwing that much amount of information <laughs> they physically just want to follow whether it's a kick or whatever, there's a, they don't need all that extra information about how my ex-boyfriend shot on my heart. Like, or if they do, I just put it in a really catchy, hooky yeah. phrase. I don't need all the and other information. That. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the third <laughs> verse that explains that, well, you know, but maybe you were, maybe you were right. Maybe I was a bit extreme. And, but yeah. yeah, but we could still, maybe we could, it's like no one even cares. <laughs> no, no one cares. Yeah. I mean, I guess for all those reasons, a lot of the stuff that we were working on a few years ago you know, kind of ended up on the cutting room floor, um, which, you know, is partially timing, partially uh, growth, partially part of the part of the process. Mm, um, yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, but but like I mentioned, Love is a Lonely Dancer. Um, that was one of the ones that I was very happy with how my work on that turned out and how our collaboration turned into a song. And then we also did, uh, or you guys were featured on one of my releases, Money yeah, Time. Money, Money Time, time. Yeah, banger. Cool. Few, yeah. <laughs> few years back. Yeah. Um, so really... They were both, uh, I think they were both really great. And some of the other material is really great as well. It's just, you know, when you put out a song and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't connect and, you you know, you can blame all the label or the thing or the that. And, you know, we haven't been exactly lucky with labels, you know, historically, but sometimes it just doesn't happen and it's it sucks, but then... I think you have to just go through with what's next as opposed yeah. to kind of go, oh, fuck, that should have been better or that should have happened because sometimes it just doesn't even if it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the harsh reality you learn about music in this one. And yeah, I mean, and you have to kind of follow the idea that you have as you have it and mm. then evaluate if it makes sense after the fact, you know? So I think that's a lot of the reasons for me why I never feel bad about working on something for a while and then ultimately not putting it out because I didn't want to be thinking about putting it out when I was making it or I wanted to be thinking about it but in a much smaller way than the actual music itself or what I was trying to say. Yeah. And the timing of things is the other thing we've learned. It's like yeah, we've, we've worked on some amazing songs and then the artist doesn't cut it and then six months later it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's not relevant anymore. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's, you know, to do with anything from big cultural upheavals, like the Me Too thing changes the way in which, you know, guys can sing about certain things, which is great. You know, dance music styles coming in and out. And I'm sure there must be some top liners who've got lots of 128 absolute smashes. But, you know, when the Swedish House Mafia kind of were the last sort of big acts of that and everyone sort of stopped doing that. But then, you know. Maybe it's going to come back in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that there's some songs that are written and targeted towards a very specific niche or something or something that's trending at that moment and you have a shorter window of 
follow through because then, you know, if you don't hit that moment, then it's going to feel dated pretty soon. And then you kind of have to toss it aside. And I think that one of the reasons that Slow Down made it onto the record is it, it sort of has the quality of a lot of the other songs that, that ultimately made the record in that they kind of are a little more timeless or they're harder to pin down on where, when and where they're from. I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to put together is something that you know i mean for better or worse sounds like yesterday and today at the same time and you know yeah. that that'll impact people's <clears throat> relationships with it in different ways i mean i guess with slow down um so that was from that was another track that was from those sessions that we did together years ago yeah well i was just trying to remember before you called like what the conception like how that's did we start remotely no, or we you, started with you? You came to London for a couple of days. So I, I went and stopped over in London on the way to my honeymoon in Italy. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that would have been, yeah, five years ago now. I just celebrated my fifth wedding anniversary. Oh, congrats. Congratulations. And Anita, you had... Uh, yeah, so we used the Psalm Studios, didn't we? We, we used were there the for a few days. Okay, yeah. You had the hookup, so you could, so you kind of just like slid us in there. Yeah. And we ended up using the Trevor Horn studio. Oh, yeah, the big room. Yeah. I remember. Trevor. Oh, Trev. Trev, Trev. <laughs> and I think that we had that, we had that sound. It was like a weird preset on like my Logic demo or something. And then it all kind of happened kind of quick, which usually are the, the most fun songs, the ones. Because you know, yeah. when you start to labor over it, it's usually a bit like, oh, is it ever going to happen? Whereas Slow Down just happened. Yeah. And I think then we worked another song that then we Didn't spent- we do Money Time on that trip as well? Yeah. I feel like that was the final yep. song we did, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one that, that one kind of like came together from nothing mm. during those sessions. I think there was Slow Down. I, I can't remember if I had a little bit of something already. Because yeah. I remember arriving in London with some, a couple different ideas, but definitely with Slow Down, it sort of took shape over those couple days. And then I think we didn't cut the final vocals until later you guys did that on your own i was trying to remember the genesis of that sound that must be that of the little synth like because that's i think that was the first thing but then i remember like starting to build the different pieces on top of and and adding that big um sort of like swelling synth yeah i love the pitch band which is maybe like one of the sounds with the most character kind of defines the sonic world of the track yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love the um halftime thing at the end that was a serious move that was good It ends up being a really nice transition into the song that comes after it on the album too because it's sort of like the whole thing ends up slowing down into a different space. And it's oh. really like in the in the context of the record it, it sort of serves as a transitionary element. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool how I think with a song like Slow Down, you know, it, it, it doesn't have a traditional verse-chorus structure in any way. It's almost more like a poem, I think. Mm. Yeah, and almost I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I'm not exactly speaking to Anita there and she's not really speaking to me. It's a bit yeah, like those XX yeah. songs that they're both sort of singing about the same thing but not to each other. Right. You're sort of referencing each other in your two verses, but when I was looking at the lyrics or I wrote them down earlier and 
you know, Anita says cold to your touch, your warm embrace, and then you say warm to your touch, your cold embrace. Ah, okay. Heartbreak, you old familiar face. We meet again. Time tied, no more. Forget my name. Forget it all. Forgive me. You guys generally have a kind of yin yang thing going on in Antony and Cleopatra. Yeah. Whether or not you're speaking to each other. That was a cool moment. I mean, is there any other thoughts on the lyrics? I could read some of the lyrics. <laughs> I know that it's not, it's not, I'm not trying to make it that deep. No, no, it's go almost, for it. I think, I think I was going through an emotional thing or you were or something. There was, it was directed at someone. This yeah. is what I'm talking about. Yes. I mean, you're so, Anita, you're like heartbreak, you old familiar face. We meet again. Tongue tied no more. Forget my name. Forget it all. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. Hold to your touch, your warm embrace. I can't explain. Forgive me. Turn off the road. Step on the brakes. Can we delay? Mm. <laughs> Very <laughs> To me, it feels like there's the kernel of something, a possibility of romance that maybe is happening too quickly and developing to the point where sure. <laughs> you kind of are just like, wait a minute. And it's all, it's like the wrong time or it's the wrong reason or something. I definitely remember around that time there was, I was in a bit of a fucked up situation, which I won't go into. On, oh, uh, yeah, we were both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I remember you were also a similar, well, thing kind called, of similar, yeah. Hashtag stay strong. <laughs> yeah. We had this pact where we were like, basically kind of around people that we, or seeing an individual or two that we probably shouldn't have been, like probably not the best or healthiest relationship or interaction with people. And like we'd confide in each other about the fucked upness of it, and just like we'd have to be like, oh, just stay strong. Because you know <laughs> you're getting owned, but you still jump into it. Oh, you feel yeah, you feel your self, your feelings are hurtling kind of before you at a pace that you can't control, which is kind of uh, but you know you're going the wrong way or heading for a, a crash, as we say. Yeah. So that was probably the. Oh, so yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah she, you just throwing me right back there. Yeah, sorry, I'm to feeling, the, well, feeling really sad. Feels again. yeah. <laughs> She became in my phone as don't bother. Because then when she rang, I was just like, don't bother because it's never, it's not going to get better. It's never going to change. And I think maybe we're both thinking in a deluded way like, oh, yeah, but, you know, they're a bit crazy and they're this, but, like, I can sort that out or change mm. it or. Well, I mean, like, you know, the classic, my mind's telling me no, but my body's telling me yes. Yeah. I mean, this in some <laughs> ways gets back to the songwriting versus dance music. Like there's there's the part of yourself that's just going to viscerally respond to the ancient humanity of the situation. And then there's the part of you that's like able to kind of think about yeah. it with words. Yeah. Apollo's logic going, come on, it's not going to happen. Shout out to those people. They don't know who they yeah. are. But. <laughs> This song's for you. It's hard to have a sunny disposition about this song. There, there's a crash. <laughs> My love is going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. But it feels like that sometimes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was born out of something very real. And, you know, that's what people feel sometimes. Just got to let it, let the song be what it is. But um, it's, it was just interesting, again, just like listening to it before, like you called, just like refreshing our, and it was just like, wow, really, uh, really going through some stuff back then. <laughs> Cheer up. <laughs> but no, it's, sometimes the message isn't always pretty, but it's just got to be said, so. Is there any other stuff, uh, any other production stuff about it, like sounds or, or parts of it that you noticed when you were just listening to it? Well, it's got an interesting, like, groove because it's four on the floor, but it's skippy. I, I mean, I associate it with um, Baltimore Club. Okay. So it's like that yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. When the beat actually kicks in. 
that's really what the what the kick drum is doing. It's not. It sort of has like. It's more propulsive to me, but it's also like a little bit out of control because it's turnaround every bar. You're kind of just like, whoa, are we gonna? What's gonna happen? Is it? Is this a fill to something else, or yeah. is it? You know, it's just gonna continue to kind of like rattle out of control. So I feel like it it fits the the lyrics and the other tone in that way too. Yeah, there's great momentum about it. It's kind of it is organized chaos, which I like. There's like a voice sample thing that's always been there, which still. Yeah. Yeah, the choppy vocals. I like the hat. The hat sounds very Sammy Banana's hat. <laughs> I think I like a high hat that you can't quite tell if it's real or a drum machine. I want it to be like not organic enough to really sound like it was recorded by a mic, but not quite digital enough that it sounds like white noise. Yeah. Oh, it's positioned as a house hat, but it's not the sound of a house hat. I don't think of any other fun stories. We had fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> we did a session at the Red Bull Studios, which oh, I remember yeah. seeing Bono and old... Uh, Tiesto. Old Tiesto. But we didn't actually oh, see Bono. Wait. We just saw Tiesto. That was so walking. That's a good story. That was actually at the Converse <laughs> Studios. Converse, yeah. Old Converse rubber tracks in Williamsburg. Shout out to Converse. Uh, I'm size 10. Size five, <laughs> five and a half. Thanks. And just three or they four different us. colors. We just somehow mentioned both Red Bull and Converse, like without even meaning to. This is this is their long. Yeah, that could have been. I mean, we missed out on some serious carnage in the studio. That could we, have we been. We didn't actually see Bono, right? <laughs> no, we just saw Tiesto. Yeah. Yes, but we had to clear. Like I was doing a wee, and the guys like need to be quick because someone important is coming in, and I was like, to the bathroom, because <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe maybe Tiesto's got a. Do a big, big old poo, and he has some sort of <laughs> sure. converse bathroom rider. Understand that when he goes to the bathroom, no one else can sit there. I remember um, the engine. I remember the engineer guys joking about how, like, um, as we were finishing up our session, they were getting the live room in that studio ready for that other session. Oh yeah, and they just there was just a <laughs> mic stand, like a live mic stand, and a SM57, which is actually the microphones you guys are using right yep. now. And they were like, "Yep." This is what this is what Bono <laughs> records on. Yeah, he just then, has he needs an SM57. Everything he records is just like a handheld live vocal mic. And then Tiesto would have had one lead going out <laughs> to his iPhone or something or iPod. <laughs> iPod at the time, yeah. But bigger question: Like, did we ever hear the song? No. Was that ever? No. Let mm. me see if I can Google. Oh yeah. I kind of think it I'm was not like sure I, even want to hear this. I feel like it was a song for like some sporting event or something. Like it wasn't like a sure. It was like a theme song for like Look, no, the no one's talking or like about a it. Euro Euro Cup or something. <laughs> uh, here it is. Oh, Tiesto recruits Bono, Calvin Harris for AIDS charity. So it looks like they did a remix of Pride in the Name of Love, where maybe Bono resang. The part. Here's a picture of them at Rubber Tracks. Oh, so it was oh. all legit. Okay. Well, look, we were there at that historical moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've been asking everybody what the word someday means to them. It's, it's a hopeful, hopeful title. Hopeful, I think it's, it's hopeful. Bit, it's a bit sad. <laughs> yeah, hopeful and sad at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, bittersweet, really. Because some, someday I'll have hit records or someday I'll have hit records. Mm-hmm. Which either one is like either deluded and sad or positive and you've got this. Anita, anything else? Um, I, yeah, I think it's actually just hopeful. I read it as hopeful. 
And I don't know if that was your intention to kind of have something that was like a bit open to, you know, people's personal interpretation. But yeah, the word to me is quite hopeful. Thank you for doing this with me, for talking. Thank you. It's been good to catch up. Yeah. And here's the song we made together, Slow Down, featuring Antony and Cleopatra. Forget my name, forget it all 